Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. Jesus said in reply, It is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Temptation and sin and the necessarily consequential evil that follows, those first two, have been the mark of human history since before even human history. There's something in us human beings that itches, that itches us to jealousy, to self-preoccupation, to doing harm to one another, 
being mean, what is it? Where does it come from? Why are we so subject ourselves to temptation, to sin, and to the consequent evil that unfolds thereafter? <coughs> it is singularly appropriate that on the first Sunday of Lent, the scriptures this day kind of rub our nose in our own darkness. The story that we heard first is one that's familiar to us. It's the second chapter of Genesis. In this version, God lovingly and tenderly creates humanity out of the clay of the earth. <coughs> and once he does so, he breathes his own spirit into those beings. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All is well. All is wonderful. All is paradisical. It doesn't take long, though, before that triad of darkness begins to unfold in the lives of these first creatures of God. Temptation, sin, and the consequent evil that follows. What happens in this story? We have, of course, that cunning little serpent, that evil one, who approaches Adam and Eve and says to them, you know, folks, you're really smart. You're really talented. You're really great. You may be almost as great as God. So why not reach just a little bit further and you can know everything that God knows. You can see everything that God sees. You can be as smart as God, as great as God, as wonderful as God. All you have to do is eat this little bit of fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and all will be wonderful for you. Now, when we hear this story, most of the time we think, well, that first great sin is a sin of disobedience. You know, Adam and Eve get caught by God with their hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> Pull it out quickly. But it's really much more than that. It's more profound than just disobedience. It's not like a little kid with his hand in a cookie jar. What's going on here is a deeper kind of temptation, a deeper kind of sin, and unfolding from that is a very, very deep kind of evil. What that tempter is asking these first parents of ours to do is to forget that they have been created lovingly by God and that they owe everything that they are to God, including the breath in their chest, including the life in their heart, including everything that they are. Forget that for a minute and become your own creators. It's you who can make yourselves great. It's you who can reach a little bit further. You human beings, you are wonderful. So you don't really need God. You can do it yourself. You can create yourself. You can make yourself. You can, you can have your own power. God, yeah, forget about him for a while. You don't need God. You've got everything yourself in you. <laughs> and this sin, I suppose, this temptation that they fall for goes by 
the word, I guess the best word would be hubris. You know, this sort of arrogance, this sort of sense that I'm great and I'm wonderful and, and I can do it myself. Thank you very much, God. It's the hubris of making themselves their own creators. We've got this. We don't need you. It's the hubris of, of making themselves almost gods themselves, if not gods themselves. That hubris unfolds in jealousy and it unfolds in self-preoccupation self and making ourselves wonderful and arrogance in all of its forms. And eventually, of course, we know that it unfolds even in murder. Cain takes a big rock and clubs his brother over the head and leaves him dead in a field. Just not even a full generation of human life and we're already killing one another because we're so smart and we're so great and we're so wonderful. Hubris is really the first and original sin of humanity. That's, that's what the church in this first reading is trying to make us see. When we talk about temptation and sin and resultant evil, we're talking about human hubris, forgetting God and making ourselves our own creators. The second great story that the church gives us today is kind of the mirror opposite of the first. Instead of these two little human beings, so fragile, so stupid, so filled with hubris, we have Jesus out in the desert. And Jesus out in the desert is just beginning his ministry. He's just been baptized by John. He goes out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. He gets very, very hungry. And lo, lo and behold, who shows up but that same cunning serpent, perhaps, that afflicted Adam and Eve and tricked them and bedazzled them by their own power. He tries the same trick again with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you're really, 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 really hungry. In other words, you're really, 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 really human. You, you have a stomach that hurts with lack of food, just like everybody else. But you also have something special. If you are the Son of God, use your divinity to fill your own stomach. You don't have to suffer like everybody else. You don't have to be fully human. You've got divinity. You can create yourself. You can make yourself. You can feed yourself. Use your divine power to turn these stones into bread for yourself yourself first. What is he tempting him to do? He's tempting him to the same hubris that Adam and Eve experienced. Use your divinity yourself so you don't have to suffer like the rest of humanity. Forget about God up there and his plan for you and his will, the Father. Take care of yourself. You're divine. Do it. Jesus responds, of course, with the words of Scripture that we know so well. 
you know, human beings don't live on bread alone, but on the word of God. He rejects the temptation to hubris, to take care of himself, to put himself first, to make himself a, a kind of, use his divinity for his own personal good. The tempter responds with words from scriptures himself. Takes him to the parapet of the temple and says, hey, Jesus, you know, it says in the scriptures, you're, you're quoting scripture back to me. I'm going to quote some scripture to you. It says the angels will take care of you. You can throw yourself off the top of this building, off the top of the temple, and nothing will happen to you. Let's test God. Let's test your divinity. Let's see if it's true. <laughs> throw yourself off. Fly. Use your divinity for yourself. Make yourself great. Make yourself perfect. You don't have to suffer the consequences of this fall like everyone else would. Jesus responds again with the words of Scripture. The devil retorts with more words of Scripture, takes him up to a mountaintop. What happens on mountaintops in the Scriptures? God speaks. God comes. God visits humanity. Up on that mountaintop, this Satan, this serpent, this evil one, in a sense is saying, I'm God now. You know, forget about your father. I've got the power. Look at the last 10,000 years, what I've been able to do to make humanity miserable. I have the power and I can share it with you. Look at all these kingdoms. You can have it all. You can have it all. All you have to do is not worship God, dishonor the Father, and worship me instead. Jesus says, ah, oh, no, not going to do it. In all three of these temptations, Jesus responds to the invitation, the temptation, to hubris, to arrogance, to selfishness, to short-circuiting the plan God has for him with the opposite of hubris, with humility. I am not going to turn the stones into bread to feed myself because that's not my place. That's not, what the, that's not the plan. Now, I'm not going to feed myself first. I'm not going to un, be unhuman. I'm not going to test God. I'm not going to test God's love for me. I have it already. I know it already. I'm not going to short-circuit my humanity yet again by jumping off of this building and letting the angels lift me up. And I certainly am not going to dishonor the God of all creation the God who is my Father, the God who I love with all my heart and all my soul by worshiping you. Humility. Humility. And all of this is playing out in the desert the rest of Jesus' life. These same temptations are going to plague Jesus, especially in Holy Week. He's going to hear these words again. 
hey, Jesus, if you're so great, if you're so God, godly, you know, come off of that cross. You don't have to suffer like everybody else does. To which Jesus says, no, I do have to suffer like everyone else. I do have to accept God's will. I do have to worship God and God alone. That humility before God and before humanity is what allows Jesus not only to endure his passion and his death, but also to overcome it and to rise from the dead. And, and thus we have the Lenten program. The church is setting out for us the program for our Lent. It's not just about giving up this or doing that extra act of charity or taking a little bit more time in prayer. All of that is important. But underneath that, the plan for Lent for these 40 days that lead up to our celebration and commemoration of Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection, What's the plan? The plan is to recognize our own hubris as human beings, our putting God away from us so that we can be great ourselves, our creating ourselves, our forgetting ourselves, our arrogance as human beings. We're so great. We're so wonderful. We can do anything. Our jealousy, our hatred, our meanness. And moving through these 40 days towards the humility of Jesus. God, I need you. God, I can't do this myself. God, I'm poor. God, I'm broken. God, I'm fractured. God, I love you. God, I give my life to you. That kind of humility is what we want to shoot for as we move through these days of the Lenten season. It's that response to temptation and to sin and to the evil that unfolds because of that temptation and that sin that leads us to hurt, to be mean, to be cruel, leads us to wars and all kinds of evil in the world that Jesus' humility saves us from following the path from hubris to humility is the challenge we face, the true and deepest challenge we face in these Lenten days to come.